Hello, everyone, and thanks for giving us your time today for VR Download. My name is Ian Hamilton, and I'm in the Upload VR Studios broadcasting to a live YouTube audience. I'm wearing Quest Pro in the United States, joined by my colleague Henry Stockdale in England. It is February 21st, 2023, and this is PlayStation VR 2 launch week. PSVR 1 released in October 2016. That is a generation ago in technological terms, and given everything that's happened since then, a lifetime ago in human terms. Hello, everyone. In our comments, thank you for tuning in. We've got a very big show. We should hopefully be joined by David Heaney later in the show. But first, we want to get into our PlayStation VR review with Henry here. We are introducing Henry to our audience today, and we've had some other news. This week, there was Pico supporting OpenXR, and then separately, they're reportedly laying off hundreds over there. Tencent reportedly scrapping headset plans, but also in talks with Meta. And then Shared Space Co-Location launched on Quest 2, as well as the last bit of news was that there's more evidence that Apple's headset is likely to launch later in the year. All of that seems relatively minor next to PlayStation VR 2 launching imminently. Everyone out there looking for their shipment notifications. I know I am. Henry, thanks for being here today. Can you introduce yourself and tell everyone what you've been up to these last couple of weeks? Sure. My name's Henry Stockdale. I've been on the upload team since the beginning of December. I was freelancing on and off since 2020, and I come from more of a games media background. So in the last couple of weeks, I've been spending a lot of time with PlayStation VR 2. Just today, I've been going through Gran Turismo 7, now that the patch has dropped. And at Beat Horizon, I've been playing a lot of Kayak and things like Demio, Pistol Whip, quite a few different things. We've gone back and forth for many late nights. I'm so appreciative of your incredible effort through this entire process of reviewing the headset, this comes along once every couple of years at this point. should have multiple platform launches this year. But in terms of Sony specifically, this is a long time coming and a big deal for a lot of people. Let's go through each of these titles individually. Gran Turismo 7. This is freshest in your mind, isn't it? What did you think of racing in the rain? I thought the rain was... I thought it was fantastic. I've only had a couple of wet weather races so far, but just seeing the rain fall in front of you as you're playing, the windscreen wipers, thinking very nice little touch. It was fun. I think in that video, I actually spun out at one point. Trying to keep that together with the steering wheel was challenging. It feels like a really solid racer so far from what I've played. Can you bring us up to speed on what the scope of the Horizon game is in sure. comparison to the title everyone is familiar with? Okay, yeah. Horizon Call of the Mountain, it's very much its own standalone adventure. You've still got Aloy appearing for a, a brief moment, but this is a brand new story playing someone who was part of the, I say, enemy faction in the first game. You're basically on a mission of redemption. You're working with the Sun King's Spymaster, and I did not expect it to be the climb free going into it. There was a lot of climbing. I quite like that. I love the exploration factor. 
What was it like to use the adaptive triggers across the experiences? So the most notable use of the adaptive triggers has been in Star Wars Tales from the Galaxy's Edge. I only got to preview it, but the different blasters had different resistances. So like your standard run-of-the-mill blaster was just pressed, not much to it. But for the more heavy-duty stuff, like the single-shot blasters, you could feel the resistance as you were pulling the trigger back. With Horizon... um, I'll be honest, it didn't stand out that much for me in Horizon, but I know that with different arrows, and especially when you're in the air trying to grab a tool, I've noticed the adaptive triggers kicking in then. So if I was hanging on something, trying to just throw whatever item I had in a certain direction, that would often kick in then. Do you think we're going to see much more developers use those features in the next year? Or do you think they're unnecessary to the core experience of a PlayStation VR 2 user? I would say they're I would say they're pretty essential. With the games I've mostly played, with them being ports of existing games, they don't really use them as much as they potentially could if they were built with that in mind. Like Horizon, when you're navigating the menus, you use the eye tracking. You're not just pointing a controller. Or if you want to turn that off, you just point with the headset. It's a little bit gimmicky in places at the moment just because of the fact that they weren't initially designed with these features in mind for a lot of the other games. Like... Res, there's a control option where you can look at the enemy with the eye tracking and that will target it for them, which is cool. It's fun, but it's not that alone won't sell someone on those features. Yeah, that makes sense. We've gone through multiple ways of comparing what PSVR 2 represents to an original PlayStation VR customer mm. versus someone who's coming from PC VR or quest it's a very different thing the value proposition is completely different but what do you think this launch library represents to the most likely person that sony wants to be a customer is this enough is this not enough i think the lineup it's a strong lineup you've got some of the best experiences in vr there day one which is fantastic or maybe a month later It's a tough one because I've seen a lot of valid criticism that there needs to be more killer apps and such for it, more things specifically designed for it. So in terms of who I think it's like aiming for, I would say at least at the start, people don't have a PC headset or have a Quest. I think it's aiming for a new audience and given the reach that Sony has, being one of the big three in the flat screen space, I reckon they're the best position to yeah introduce people to it the thing i always think about when we're referencing platform launches is there's always a wave of people who have been at this a while and then there's a wave of people that are coming in completely fresh and there's plenty of people who have gotten into vr over the last few years Mm. that weren't around for the launch of the playstation vr system we brought it up i think briefly last week where there were very demo type experiences at launch and that was true of vive at launch of its original system in 2016 and to a certain extent the original oculus rift system was like that where the experiences didn't feel like they had a ton of depth a lot of people criticize the fact that job simulator is often at the top of the most selling lists this many years after original launch. But it did a lot of things right from the original outset. And it grew from a demo experience that was very small into this giant multi 
game series built on these original mechanics. But people forget about these other demo experiences like the Call of Duty Jackal experience and the Rogue One Star Wars experience that were literally forgettable because they only lasted a few minutes. They were very high production. They looked very pretty inside the headset, but there wasn't any reason to remember them in any significant way. When I look at this library, I see depth that is a completely different level compared to what those few experiences were in 2016. I want to make sure that context comes across for people who cry about VR being dead or that development hasn't progressed. You know, people that, that throw out these inane ideas about whether this market is growing or not, you can see it in the depth mm. of this content in comparison to the depth of the content that was at launch in 2016. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't compare. Like even like what was it? Sony's big one at launch, PlayStation VR Worlds. That was essentially just a bunch of curated demos, and only a couple of them were really worth playing. It's miles apart from what you had. Like when we were discussing before about Call of Duty, like the VR experience, I didn't even know that existed. That one completely slipped me. And I'm seeing it in our comments. Those experiences weren't forgettable. Zach Wilder says at all. They were awesome. And I totally agree with you. They were awesome for the 15 minutes that you spent inside of them and then forgot about them. That was the issue. You could have a wowing moment, but it didn't have repeatable gameplay. And at yeah. launch, you've got things like Pistol Whip, which is repeatable gameplay that will draw you back in again and again. Cameo, which is multiplayer, cross-platform, across everything that you can play, both flat mm. and inside and out. That's multiplayer that's really cool across both systems. And then simulation type stuff like Gran Turismo 7 and Kayak VR. Gran Turismo 7, all of it playable in VR, is a dream come true for a, a, a substantial number of people who went and got the original PlayStation VR, went and tried out the limited VR mode and said, gosh, how amazing would this be if you could have the entire game in VR? And that's precisely what Sony delivered. I think that's a big deal. Yeah, I completely agree there. It's miles apart. And it's just fan it's fantastic just to see how far that's come in, what has it been, six six years since the sport came out? They've done a lot. And it doesn't feel quite as iterative, I think, because of that gap where you see things like Quest releasing a new headset every couple of years at this point, or in this case, Quest 3 coming out later this year. Yeah, so... People are asking about David Heaney. The way we had to do our analysis of PSVR 2 and our timing is we had to divide it up and had Henry look at it as a platform level, a look at the games, focus on what's there and what isn't, and did this wonderful review for us. And as we speak, David Heaney is currently in like the back end of our system, uploading images from his deep hardware analysis that our readers have come to really look forward to from him. It is a very big day, yeah. I tried not to lead with my retrospective, but what was your first PlayStation, Henry? I think the first PlayStation I ever used was a PSP, PlayStation oh, wow. Portable. Yeah. yeah, I didn't have a PS2 till 2009, and then we got given a PS3 at, at Christmas that same year. I go back mm. to PlayStation 1. I never owned a portable. Each generation of console 
has like a place in my memories and my heart. I have distinct memories of how I acquired each of the systems over the years. My dad went and got a PS2, I think it was, at a Kmart. I got the PS3 at a Circuit City at all these like dead, now dead chain stores of electronics. And then, of course, the PS5, I got the disc-free edition, and I feel so bad about going disc-free, but I was ready for it for the saved cost on the system. And it's weird to think that we might have a PSVR 3, a PSVR 4, a PSVR 5. I don't think anyone really believes like it could happen. A lot of people didn't expect Sony to actually do what they've done here, I think. Matthew asking this general question of do you think Microsoft would ever get into console VR? It's a very interesting question. Mm -hmm. Least we have there was the sort of hint that Meta and Microsoft were working together at the end of the Meta Connect event last of course, year. Game Pass. Was a brief mention yeah. of Flight Simulator. I know mm-hmm. Minecraft has supported OpenXR, and there was for people that aren't aware, back when they were first announcing the next generation of the Xbox systems, they briefly, very briefly, said there would be VR in there, and then I backed remember. out of the entire idea. And then over on Nintendo, there's the Labo VR system, which is a cardboard. That's the game. The game is putting together a cardboard box, and then you put it on and realize how awful cardboard VR is, and you don't play a lot of it. Nintendo um, marched the beat of their own drum, same as they always have. <laughs> but that's the, those are your other options in console VR, something yeah. that never shipped from Microsoft, and a cardboard box. Just saw a question there. Hang on, let's go back. Zach uh, was asking, did we test whether you can charge the controllers while in use? Yes, yes, you can. I did try that at one point, and that was absolutely fine. Great. Uh, did you get the charging cradle? Or are we That is on its way. That, that didn't come with the review package. Yeah, talk about audio, I suppose. We should get into audio, since that was probably your biggest biggest point in your review, that you were expressing frustration. Sure. <laughs> And I guess break down the prices of each of those pieces of hardware when you get into that. Okay, I'll just quickly answer Clay's question there. No, you can't switch to behind the car in 7 in the VR mode. But with the audio, it was a case of there's no inbuilt audio on the PSVR 2 headset. And there was no volume adjustment either on the wire or underneath the HMD. There was with, I think it was the second wave PSVR model. So you have to use either the headphones that come with it which are, which are in-ear headphones you can plug in your own as long as they got a 3.5 millimeter port the other option was you can connect the pulse headsets the one sony released at launch and that costs i think it was 90 dollars. i think around that and that works surprisingly comfortably around the psvr2 it slots really well but obviously the added cost is not ideal but in my case as someone who hates the in-ear feel with those sort of headphones those rubber buds it's my preferred option there was a question here asking about why they stuck with the fresnel lenses we should be able to get into that subject with david heaney as soon as we're able hopefully when we come back before we switch off and start moving towards the next section what would be your recommendations just to be clear of the first games people should install or explore on a psvr2 for me there's no doubt that it's got to be horizon it's sony's killer app with this launch and it uses the new hardware really well it doesn't just feel like the flat games with a vr mode it feels like its own brand new experience gran turismo what i've seen so far is very promising even if it is 
a bit limited, but then that's the same case for a lot of racing sims. Like you've got the 2D menus and then you just, it's only cockpit view once you start playing. Kayak has been a surprise favorite of mine. It's utterly stunning game. Just, I could easily just paddle around Antarctica for a good half an hour watching the whales. It's beautiful. Those are the three I would say at the start, but for more general stuff, I put my fiance into Tetris Effect for the first time last week. They are not a VR person at all, and they absolutely loved it. Pistol Whip, Ademio, Artless. Ademio is a really deep experience, and because of the cross-platform, it's really great. Pistol Whip, I love how quickly you can pick that up. You fill out your bingo cards for any of our regular viewers, but anyone that's coming into this fresh. With PlayStation VR 2, that's definitely a game to check out. I find it more satisfying even than Beat Saber. And they've been constantly updating that title for years. It's one of Uh, my favorites. And then there's also like introductory experiences. What the Bat, Job Simulator. It's, yeah, we talked about it at the start. But I'm also seeing people suggesting that Resident Evil Village is on that list. I think we're going to have to spend a lot of time with Resident Evil in the next couple of days to really see where it is. It's yeah. one of the things I want to discuss with David Heaney later in the show. We're putting everything we can into this single PSVR 2 review, talking about the games, talking about the hardware and the experience overall. This image really, yes, does bring it home for me. For people who are listening on the podcast, we've got PSVR 1 on the left-hand side of the image and on the right side of the image, PSVR 2 with a single cable running out the back of it. Over on the left, you have a mess of wires that is is the reason I really didn't use PSVR 1 as often as I like would have liked or could have. It's going to be pretty neat to have those controllers on a charging stand. And then the racing wheel. Can we talk about the racing wheel experience with Yes, GT7? absolutely. I just want to say very quickly, I wish I'd polished that table a bit more before taking that photo. But with the racing wheel, I'm so... Regards to that, just for full disclosure, I have been provided a review unit by a group called Thrustmaster. It's a Thrustmaster T248, and that comes with, yeah, that's a big old steering wheel with the massive pedals underneath. So I've been playing the last hour of Gran Turismo 7 I was playing. I used the wheel for that. A few wires to keep in mind, but then it's not an experience where you need to be moving across a room. You just sit there, and then it's it's much more manageable. It's really good it has i think it has force feedback because i felt that a few times well like when i spun out i could feel the wheel i could like what's the word here i could just keep rotating it wasn't stuck like some of the cheaper wheels like you could just keep going round like that and mm. I, people were i saw people really funny in the comments asking why is the steering wheel on the right hand side now they yeah is it I didn't even really think about that, but are the cars, are all the cars on the right-hand side for you, or is it just certain vehicles? Uh, For the ones I've played, it's mostly been on the right-hand side, unless they have just put a British filter in it. I don't know. Yeah, (laughs) I think we're getting close to wrapping up this segment of the show. What else do you want to convey as we conclude here before we switch over to having David Heaney in here for uh, technical analysis? There's... Not much else for me to add, really, on this point. In terms of the, yeah, in terms of my experiences with it, Horizon, if you're going in expecting Zero Dawn or Forbidden West, that's not what it provides. But it's a great experience that really, you can tell it was always designed with VR in mind. The Just in the interactions, it's honestly, I don't think Sony could have asked for a better launch game there. In terms of everything else, it's, Hard for me to say because so much of it being ports. 
So most of those games people on here will probably already be well aware of. Yeah, I'm seeing this question from Clayman. If you had to choose PSVR 2 or wait for a new headset this year, what would you choose to do? That is a very tough personal question yeah. um, that, that, that has a lot of factors to consider how much yeah. you're going to miss that money. It and, would entirely depend. Yeah. Yeah. Cause if it's, if the Apple headset actually launches this year, I would say thinking of quest. Hmm. No, this is the next quest versus PSVR two as a gaming device. The overlap between people willing to spend the two to $3,000 is not as big yeah. as the overlap between PS five owners who are trying to decide between do I go get the PSVR 2 or go do I go get a Quest? I think if you're a PS5 owner, it's a no-brainer kind of enhancement. Yeah, to the absolutely. If right? you've already got it, like it feels like Sony are relying on people already having the PS5, which is an interesting strategy given how there's been very notable stock shortages since launch. I know that's easing now, but it's yeah. If you've got a PS5 already, I would say, yeah, absolutely go for that. It would be worth the extra money. But if you're brand new to it and you don't have that PS5, it'd be very interested to see what Quest brings, what Quest 3 brings. Yeah, I thank you so much for joining. I'm seeing people complaining about our audio. I'll try to get a better fit on my headset or get the mic covered before we come back here. I do want to just, yeah, let me say thank you one more time just for the incredible effort. It was quite a mad dash to get this hardware reviewed, get into those games. You're going to have a big long rest, I hope, after this, after we get through yeah. launch. But I want to say thank you for joining us, for being part of this team. Thank you to our audience for welcoming him. How many hours of the last last week have you spent inside a PlayStation VR 2 headset, David Heaney? Oh, a significant amount since Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. More hours in PlayStation VR 2 than anything else. <laughs> Yeah, and we've just come from talking with Henry. We've talked about the games. I think there are people on the edge of their seat out there waiting to hear what you have to say about this hardware. Why don't you just take it from here and tell us tell us what we need to know? Yeah, so as Ian's probably mentioned, first of all, it's great to be back. I'm very excited to show you what our secret project is soon. That should be sometime in March that we're able to show what that is. But yeah, this is... Hardware that is incredibly impressive in some ways and slightly disappointing in other ways. As Ian probably mentioned, we'll have a technical analysis from me coming up on the website in the next hour or so. A lot of the technical aspects of this headset center around that decision to stick with Fresnel lenses and to go with an OLED panel instead of LCD. And that delivers some incredible aspects of this hardware. It delivers colors and contrast that you simply will have never seen if you've only tried LCD headsets and true blacks that make nighttime scenes and games and actual darkness feel like actual darkness and actual nighttime rather than just a kind of murky gray approximation. You also get colors and intensity in games like Moss really just are stunning, to be honest. The problem, of course, is that there are a few very key disadvantages of OLED and one of them is that the subpixels are smaller. And so that means that there's more space in between the pixels. And that gives headset makers that choose OLED two choices. They can either leave that as it is, and then you'll see a quite apparent screen door effect, which is what a lot of the older headsets did. Or you can add a screen diffuser like Samsung's Odyssey Plus did, and like I'm almost certain PSVR 2 is doing. And what that gives you is no screen door effect, 
but a kind of softness, a lack of sharpness to the image that means that even though this is higher resolution than something like Quest Pro, it actually looks softer and less sharp. And that's not just an aspect of the lenses, it's actually the display itself. The other huge problem is the mirror pattern, a fixed pattern noise that you see throughout the display, which is a result of the irregularities in OLED where because of the way that it is addressing every single pixel for both color and brightness, it can't do that flawlessly. And there is a kind of noise pattern throughout it, which is, to be frank, it is incredibly distracting in loading screens. It's incredibly apparent if you look up at a skybox, it's say one blue color. It's very apparent in a lot of kind of menu systems. And it's not completely horrendously distracting in game, but it is always there. And it just feels, it feels like when you've got glasses on and there's just a smudge on it or some sort of other optical problem that you just want to rub off and you never can. And that's really frustrating because you get the situation where this headset does things that no other headset on the market does, but it has these kind of slightly annoying flaws. Funky Sloth asks, is it as bad as the Mira on PSVR 1? Yeah, it's as bad as I've seen in OLED. It really is worst case scenario when it comes to that. Yeah, I wanted you to investigate reprojection as well. Can you break down reprojection a little bit for our audience here and how that's used? Because we were debating it right up until we came live on the show, exactly how we're going to frame this for our audience. And there's a lot, I think, to get into about the types of games that might be problematic reprojected too frequently from 60 to 120 and yeah. Can you explain what a reprojection is for people that need that, that refresher and then explain how it's used on PSVR? Sure. So on PC-based VR platforms like Steam VR, reprojection is something that automatically kicks in from the system level. And what it does is it gets the app to render at half frame rate, and then it adds in the extra second frame, each other frame, using reprojection, which is essentially extrapolating from the image what should what the next frame should be based on the motion in previous images. And like I said, on PC VR, that's something that kicks in automatically when your GPU is at 100% usage, you know, when your system isn't able to keep up. On PlayStation VR, it's a little different. And this is the same as it was for PlayStation VR 1. Instead of it being something that is the system applies, it's a developer choice. So there are three modes of PSVR and PSVR 2. The first mode is the the best. It is the native 120 hertz mode, where the game renders 120 frames per second, and it displays at 120 hertz. That is used by very few games, only the most graphically simplistic games, because it's so demanding to have to render 120 real frames per second. The next mode is 90 hertz which is you render at 90 and you display at 90. It's somewhat similar, but it's easier to pull off than the 120. That's used by a good chunk of games, but it's not what's used by the big games, that the likes of Horizon and Resident Evil 8 that try to pull off AAA graphics. They use the third mode, which is completely different to those two, two modes, which in which the application renders at 60 frames per second, and it is reprojected to 120. So it's not like PC where it's kicked in automatically. The developer chooses to do this so that they only have to render at 60 frames per second, and it is doubled to 120. This is what enables some of those big titles that look visually stunning, not only the graphical fidelity, but 
on those high dynamic range OLED displays, Horizon looks incredible when you have your head still. The problem is when you move your head, that great looking <laughs> effect disappears because you see this really strange ghosting or double imaging effect. You can also see it when you move your hand. If you pan your hand across in front of you like this, you won't see it, the continuous smooth moving that you'd see in a natively 90 or 120 game like Job Simulator. You see a double image, a ghost that runs along past your hand. When you rotate your head, you'll see that on other objects. I remember when I first tried this in September, I really thought it was a glitch. I asked them, can you reboot the unit? Is there some? Is this a problem with your game build? Is this something wrong with the actual game? And they rebooted the whole PlayStation 5 and I put it on and it was there again. And I slowly figured out by asking around that that's what this was. It was the reprojection. I, again, this isn't a system-wide issue. It's a mode. I really wish developers would do what some PlayStation 5 non-VR titles have done and give us the option to have a performance mode where they render at native 90, but have a reduced graphical fidelity. I would pick it every single time. And yeah, it's just, like the optimistic aspect here is that hopefully Sony can improve this. Maybe the algorithm itself just needs tweaked. The motion smoothing that's available on Steam VR and the space warp that's available on Quest, space warp on Quest is also handled by developers, doesn't seem to have this same level of double imaging there is a slight effect on those platforms but it's not as bad as it is on playstation 5's playstation vr2 so the way you talked about this made me laugh i think it got some of our viewers out there laughing too where you said horizon looks amazing if you don't move your head does one of the things i was talking to henry about i'm not seeing a ton of room scale use really inventive room scale use there's not a in in i guess playstation's library i guess i'm wondering if people want the best visual experience how would you describe the gap between what ps5 and psvr2 provides and what the latest graphics card with a valve index provides over on pc and i'm talking like you want the best Half-Life Alex, the best Walking Dead, the best multiplayer shooter experiences. Room scale type things like Half-Life Alex, where you're walking around a whole room. I know it's not announced yet for platform. It's not been confirmed. It's one of those debate things that we constantly go about, go back and forth about. But I'm trying to figure out how we can express to our viewers out there. Is there a certain genre of game? That is going to look really great if you're just not moving too much on PS5. And then is there a certain genre of game that's going to look great if you've got a powerful enough graphics card over on PC to make those experiences stand out? So I think that's a very difficult question. If you're comparing to the, the index is now close to four years old, its resolution can very low compared to even budget headsets today like Quest 2 and Pico 4. So that's where you're going to be limited there. But when you have that powerful graphics card that costs more than the entire PlayStation 5, and in fact, some people these days will be using a graphics card that is more expensive than PlayStation 5 and PlayStation VR 2 put together. You can play some of the games that are reprojected, such as The Walking Dead, Saints and Sinners. You can play that natively. And overall, I think that's going to be a better experience. The problem is that I wish I could say that one was better, but the, you just can't. The problem is that these platforms each have their advantages and their disadvantages. And that's very much of the situation with OLED as well. So on PlayStation VR 2, you're going to have 
that with a good resolution of 2K per eye, you're going to have that incredible contrast, which combined with high dynamic range is a visual experience you just cannot get on an LCD headset. And you're going to get in the Walking Dead Saints and Sinners, for example, I think I would still, even with the reprojection, I would play that on a PS VR 2 because it can actually display black and because so much of that game is in darkness and at nighttime. When you look up into the sky when you're walking down an alley in The Walking Dead and you're looking at those stars, it doesn't. you're not seeing the murky gray. I know I say murky gray over and over again, but it really is. That's the key flaw of LCD. No, I like that. I'm thinking about the Christmas. Like If the next Quest headset had, let's say, LED again, let's say it didn't go OLED, I can imagine the holiday ads just showing an actual game where you're crawling through a cave and getting scared, and then they would show the simulated Quest footage, and it would just be a gray, a gray screen, and that's all they would have to show for the competing footage because that's how it feels in going through some of those dark areas on an led screen it's horrible so i think that's where the decision for meta to use the local dimming on quest pro and vario has done this and i think pimax plans to do this becomes more apparent because when you use an lcd with local dimming backlight mini led backlight you get this midpoint where you get something you get most of the way to the advantages of oled but without the disadvantages of the fixed pattern noise and of the need to use that diffuser to soften the image. Obviously, the problem is, though, cost. It looks like the mini LED LCDs are actually more expensive than even the OLED based on what we know so far. It's a frustrating situation, but I would say if we're talking about the very, very long term of VR, it's important to note that micro OLED micro displays actually use a completely different manufacturing process than regular sized OLEDs. And so if we see micro OLED displays, OLED micro displays come into headsets in the next few years, it's unlikely that they will have either that fixed pattern noise or that softness. They're actually, you know, arguably micro OLED and OLED should have a more different name to make it more clear just how different they really are. So I don't know. I know you've been focused on the hardware. We've had Henry go into as much software as possible, but I guess I'm, people were confused by my question. My question is like packing together like three different subjects all at once looking at this lineup what are you most excited about personally and what do you think our readers should be most excited about so i have to agree with henry on this that horizon is that flagship game it is psvr2's equivalent of alex it's psvr's equivalent of the zelda game that launched with the switch breath of the wild it is that kind of single title that in many ways is the selling point for people who are going to buy it. It doesn't have the depth of a Breath of the Wild, so you need you need to add that caveat there. It's obviously, in many ways, it's not a true open world game. It's in many ways linear. But what they put together there, the climbing mechanics of the climb, combined with some really first-class VR bow mechanics, combined with a, a beautiful environment, a characters that are really high fidelity rendered with aphoviated rendering you're able to get really close to these virtual characters and it's not like these playstation 2 looking janky things from quest games it's they are proper modern triple a game character models that's obviously very impressive resident evil 8 if you're a fan of that it's clear that it's a port it's not doesn't have first class vr mechanics but that's such a full-fledged game and it is still, all the technical aspects are right. It's not like using a VR injector on PC. You do have the performance is right. The technical aspect is right. That's a very impressive title. And then obviously, if you're someone who is a fan at all of uh, sim racing, you're one, you'll want to play Gran Turismo. That is, as people have been saying, utterly stunning 
but not everyone's into that kind of game. The other thing I think a lot of people are sleeping on is No Man's Sky. I think that was one of those games that was just, from a gameplay perspective, in- incredible on PSVR 1, but was the hardware really was the primary limitation there. But with a generation improvement of performance and of the headset, I think No Man's Sky is going to be one of those really grindy titles where those other titles like Resident Evil 8 and Horizon are something you play once. But I think you could spend tens or hundreds of hours in No Man's Sky on PSVR 2. I'm... I want to return back to the other elements here of the reprojection question. You described in the draft of the technical analysis that we were talking about right before we came in here, we should have Heaney's, David Heaney's technical analysis up on our site shortly after this broadcast is done. Thank you all for tuning in. Please do comment, subscribe. Thank you, Go Green Gamer, for the donation. Thank you, everyone, for supporting us and sticking with us. I, You were very involved in vr when the original playstation vr launched but i never really gathered like how much time do you think you spent in psvr games versus other systems and do you think that we're going to have a repeat here where this is going to feel pretty antiquated compared to competing hardware very quickly what do you think so in some ways no and in some ways yes the tracking and controllers I think our first class, I don't think those are going to feel antiquated anytime soon. I think other platforms like Quest are going to play catch up when it comes to the controllers. I think now that they have that inside out tracking with those high res cameras, they have the potential down the line to add some of the things that might come to other platforms, like active safety alerts that warn you when someone walks into the room, for example, or your pet is walking. I think the PS5 has enough power that Sony may be able to integrate things like that over time. The pass through is black and white, but it's so high resolution that they do have enough data there at least. What I think is going to feel dated is the Fresnel lenses. I'm sitting in a Quest Pro right now with the pancake lenses and I've just spent many hours today in PlayStation VR 2 and it really is astonishing just how much better pancake lenses are. Pancake lenses truly are the next generation of VR lenses. It was going there. Pico's there. Meta's transitioning their line there. We pretty much know that Quest 3 is going to use pancake lenses. HTC's Vive XR Elite uses it. The only company from the major players, other than some small Chinese companies that are releasing new headsets with Fresnel, is Sony with PSVR 2. We talk in my piece, my article that's coming up in an hour about why that might be. The the TLDR there is that there aren't suitable OLED panels of the size that are needed to be paired with Fresnel lenses or with pancake lenses. And pancake lenses are not optically efficient, so you have to drive them to display much brighter to get the same output brightness and OLED displays are less bright. There is this sort of thought in my mind that what could Sony have delivered with a very good LCD panel and pancake lenses? But obviously there are people here who are, just as I have been for many time, for a long time, very passionate about the advantages of OLED. The problem is, as I point out in this, is that I think the analogy I made to you in DMs was that it's like, a drug that feels great but has horrendous side effects. OLED has these incredible advantages, but the side effects are terrible. Then, and it's really a big, huge decision as to whether you pick it. And there are many downsides to when you do. I joked with David that I was going to start a new segment of our show called DMs with David, and I will do that segment on weeks when we don't have him on, so that you guys can all feel his presence and hearing about him describe displays like a drug would be the type of thing I would share on DMs with David. I still 
we talked about performance in those messages and trying to get across this concept. I think the way you explained the OLEDs at the cost of everything else, let's we need to get OLED displays for True Blacks inside this next generation headset. It will be a differentiator when it comes to certain types of gaming experiences. I that would make sense to me as an argument from Sony like decision makers on this platform. What I what I'm trying to understand is things like Half-Life Alex, those feel more room scale. You walking like I could feel like I'm walking around a room more in a game like Half-Life Alex than some other kind of like scary shooters or scary experiences where I'm roaming environments in a lot of darkness. Like Half-Life Alex has an equal measure of bright environments and very dark and scary environments. Some games are like mostly scary, dark environments. And those sound like they're going to be like at home on PSVR 2 for years to come. Like every Halloween, it sounds like a PSVR 2 is going to be the kind of experience you're going to want to have in VR if you want to have a VR VR Halloween. Do you think that's like a good way of thinking about what content is going to sing on this type of hardware? Yeah, though I am more optimistic about room scale on this than you seem to be. I don't see why this is any less capable of room scale than PC VR. Okay, all right. They have a room My scale My question mode. is, going back to your original description of Horizon without moving, if I'm moving all the time through a room, and it's running reprojected 60 to 120. How uncomfortable is that going to be? Or how noticeable is that going to be for a good segment of the people out there? Yeah, it's noticeable. The All of these reprojection systems across all of these platforms work far better rotationally than translationally. So when you're rotating your head, any of these reprojection systems, be it a time warp or space warp or motion smoothing or reprojection in general just are not really that noticeable rotating is an ideal scenario when you start to translate your head that's when you really start to see that double imaging ghosting juddering whatever you want to call it but i would point out that there are still games on this platform that are going to be 90 and 120 native it is not a foregone conclusion that devs have to use that reprojection mode Developers are choosing to use it because it means that they can get the highest fidelity graphics. If there's any PlayStation VR 2 developer listening to this, I would plead with you, please either choose the native 90 or at least give users an option to have native 90 where you have lower fidelity graphics. I don't think the trade-off is worth it to have more shaders and polygons than to actually get the VR experience feeling smooth and solid. If you go very quickly from an app that uses reprojection into one that doesn't, it really is night and day. The PSVR 2 feels fantastically smooth because the positive aspect I want to talk about when it comes to performance is that, you know, given the performance that devs choose, it's completely rock solid. On PC VR, you're always going to get an issue where you don't know what graphics card the developer really designed the game around to get an experience where you're not having frame drops. You have to tweak settings and your Steam VR headset resolution because you don't know what headset it was designed for. When you're using a PSVR 2 that every game was designed specifically for your headset and your controllers and your PS5. So when you are playing a 90 or 120 game, it is rock solid smooth. It, there are no frame drops in almost all of the games I've tried. And it, that is a magical experience. Using PSVR 2 at 90 or 120 native 
it's magical because yes, Quest developers have that same ability. They're using the same hardware, but mobile chips are just so underpowered that even when they try their best, there's still frame drops all over the Quest experience. And there's even frame drops in the Quest home environment. None of that in property design PSVR 2 games. So what you're describing to me, when I look at this like launch lineup and think about the dozens more games, how many games get reviewed poorly by gamers or by journalists, by critics, because they're running reprojected or something didn't feel right? That's stacked up really quickly, that discomfort over 5, 10, 15 minutes, and just left a sour taste in the mouth of the critic. But they couldn't put their finger on it. It's just, eh, it didn't work. Whereas games that run natively at 90 or 120 just feel startlingly clear, right? Like they feel that much better. What games would you call out that you've seen that are running at that, like, that, that those better frame rates that are going to stand out in that way to people? So that's something I noticed in a lot of the PSVR 2 reviews that I read from other websites. I always try to keep in touch with what other websites are saying about all this VR hardware. I like to read what the mainstream tech press are saying, even the mainstream non-tech press. And I saw that a lot where people said, there's this strange blurring effect in some games and I don't understand what it is. And they were never able to, as you said, never able to quite put their finger on what it was. Because obviously, if you're not experienced with VR and you don't know what's going on, it is just going to come across to you as this is blurry for some reason. Why is that blurry? And why are my hands blurring? And it's so frustrating to see that because you can just see a parallel path where Sony decided to either somehow ship a better reprojection system that didn't have this or just don't allow reprojection. Allow the headset to do what Quest does and what Index does. Allow developers to go down to a native 80 or 90 hertz or 80 or 72 hertz if you really want to allow developers to push out more than what 90 can handle. But I just, it's so frustrating to see that 90 thing. The games that you that use it natively are the ones you would expect. The likes of Pistol Whip, Gorn, Job Simulator. It's hard to come up with them on top of my head now, but I do think that's something we're definitely going to want to publish is a list of games that use reprojection or a list of ones that run natively, depending on which we think is a better idea there. Yeah, I think that's a fantastic suggestion and something we will have to follow up on as soon as possible. Get that native 90-120 list. I think that's the way we would do it, right? You want to be native 90 or 120 and focus on just getting that list of games right in front of people. Because I think it does. I think it is going to matter. I think that solves what I've been trying to get out of both you and Henry and trying to understand what this platform offers. Is like, how prevalent is this in content and how many people are going to be bothered by it at the same time, right? There's plenty of people that just push on through at the same time that other people just don't. They do the opposite. Yeah, I think the problem is that it tends to be the games that aren't possible on Quest. So the big, the whole point that you would get a PSVR 2 instead of a Quest are the games that use this reprojection technology. So you kind of have this disappointing problem where the games that render natively are the games that run on a Quest anyway. And obviously any of these games still look better on a PlayStation 5. It is many times more powerful something we haven't talked about here but i think should be obvious is that the graphical fidelity of content is just leaps and bounds ahead of anything you'll find on a quest that's obviously important to note but it is disappointing that the ones that really push the ones that are simply not possible on a quest are the ones that use this tech i'm just going to read a few audience questions here someone's asking whether the reprojection was bad enough to cause nausea i think that was someone who donated that was go 
green game on? Yeah, it's a difficult question to say. I do think I don't think it got as bad as VR nausea that would be caused if you're dropping frames, but there certainly was a visceral discomfort there that especially as you're moving around your brain doesn't quite fully accept it and it's something that i didn't experience in any of the native titles who's cnx saying that they would take high fidelity graphics with reprojection if you had to choose i would say one try it first before you say that but two i think that's why there should be options i'm not asking for devs to only support native i'm just asking for it to be an option just as plenty of ps5 games already let you choose between 30 and 60 frames Edmund, I don't own any VR headsets, pre-ordered PSVR 2, but hearing this discussion, it seems that it is a mixed bag and I should hold off. I don't think that's what we're saying, but how would you respond to that? Yeah, I think there's another commenter here that said this, that's responded really well here, Pastel the Devil, saying, keep in mind that David is a deep dive analyst and he's used the best VR hardware in the world. If this is still your first VR experience, it will still likely be a damn good experience. Yes, I am... We did two reviews here. We had Henry give you the general review that asked the question of, should you actually buy this as a product? How is this as a holistic experience? How are the games? How is the platform? That's not what my task was for this launch. I'm looking at this from a deep dive, arguably nitpicky technical aspect that kind of tracks where is this along the vast progress of VR? We're still in the very, very early days of VR. And how does this compare as a piece of technology divorced from the value proposition and the games that it offers relative to other VR headsets. I do agree that, yeah, if you're someone who has never tried VR before and you've got a PlayStation 5, of course you're going to be blown away by this. It's going to be an incredible experience. I just am pointing out that there are some decisions that Sony have made here that means that it's not the best that it could have been. But this is still overall a fantastic VR system that essentially, if you do want me to talk about the value proposition for a second, it essentially distills the experience of high-end PC VR that was only available in the past for thousands of dollars and realistically, if we're all being honest with ourselves, dozens of hours of debugging and tweaking and settings, messing around with settings, it distills that into a consoleized experience where you plug a single USB-C cable into the front of this thing and you have this all just work. And that is an incredible experience. It is something that Quest standalone and Pico just cannot provide because those mobile chips just do not have that fidelity. So a mixed bag, but it's still an exceptional system just with some flaws. Yeah, I really appreciated that context. And that is the way we presented it. Henry's analysis viewed it as much from the perspective of if you're going from PSVR 1 to PSVR 2, you're, this is a home run with every in every respect except the back, the fact that it's not backwards compatible, right? That, that those games are having to come online one at a time to make the generational upgrade, but that wasn't really part of the promise necessarily when you first bought the system. But I do think that's a wonderful analysis, and that's why maybe we muddled the story a little bit in our presentation of just, you know, if you're going from PSVR 1 to PSVR 2, these are the games you're probably going to want to check out, and this is the experience you should prepare yourself for. If you're thinking about whether this is your entry point into VR for the first time, or it's a Quest 2, or you're waiting for the next Quest, or even thinking about a Pico or an HTC headset, where does this sit relative to that? Is what I think there's like a layer of people out there who are just being quiet in our audience wondering that question. That's a really great question. Personally, I consider this to be PSVR 2's soft launch. Many people have said this, but 
There are great games here, but this is not going to be Sony's entire showing for 2023. I think Sony, probably based on what they've seen in pre-orders, this is just my speculation, expects the real launch of PSVR 2 to be this Christmas when they have maybe patched some of the software, added a few features, and most importantly, shipped a bunch of new games that we haven't seen yet. And I'm sure they very much so intend to ship some big titles that maybe haven't even been announced yet over that Christmas period. That's also the same period where you're going to see Quest 3 coming. We can say, based on the fact of where every Meta headset's been announced, that it's very likely that Quest 3 is going to be launched in October at Connect or around October. Maybe it's September, maybe it's November, that kind of area. So if I was, if you really are in the situation where you're wondering what do you spend your hard-earned money on, if you have the patience to wait, I would see what does the landscape look like in October? What does Quest 3 offer? What games has Sony offered since then? And that's when I would make my decision. I think it's a lot more difficult if you're saying, I really want to either buy this now or not. Yeah, I think that's some really interesting context. Hello, Gamertag. Let us know if you have any feedback, if you have any thoughts on PSVR 2. I haven't been able to catch up on what you've been saying, but we're currently debating with our audience how much of a deep dive people want. Some people wanted that brief overview, and some people absolutely needed and wanted that deep dive, nitpicking everything apart. I, uh, I don't know if this is the episode to get into it, Heaney or not. Yeah, take a drink. Darn it. Turning eye tracking off or leaving eye tracking on as a default system level feature feels like something we're going to return to over the next one to two years nonstop. And we've talked about it a lot where it's like over on the meta side of things with the Quest Pro, they've taken a very careful approach to whether the eye tracking is on by default like you have to manually turn everything on there in order to access those features it's a little bit different on sony and then if it's on by default on a system like apple this will actually end up being a pretty differentiating feature over like the next over this first generation of devices do you want to can you break the mice making sense here? Is there a way that we can make this clear for folks what I'm talking about? No, I think you're saying that correctly there. It, that's true. Eye tracking is enabled by default on PlayStation VR 2. The main feature you get is foveated rendering, which if you toggle it on and off is very much so noticeable. It, give, it means that where you're looking is significantly higher fidelity, uh, higher resolution rendered than it would have been if you turned it off. There are games like Horizon where you can in the menu specifically toggle foveated rendering. Where I don't personally think eye tracking is as compelling as a lot of people seem to think, or and especially, uh, maybe this is a bit controversial to say, but especially a lot of people who have never actually tried it, is as a menu selection. I find that in Horizon, you in the menu in Horizon can choose to either aim with your head or aim with your eyes. I find the aiming with your eyes to just be awkward. Looking, moving your eyeballs around to select menu items, it just feels so odd and unnatural. And effort, I really was just hope, I really wish I could just point the controller and use it as a laser pointer. Maybe other people disagree on that, but that seemed to be a complete gimmick in my well, experience. All right. So I'm, we've debated this, or I've tried to wrap my head around it at least. You're, I, cause I haven't quite understood your perspective, but theoretically, on the Apple device, you could look at something floating in your room, reach over and pinch it, 
pull it over here and release it. And that's as simple as moving things around your room, moving any panel around your space. Should be as simple as that direct interface. With a controller in your hand, that interaction isn't necessarily as fun, right? Like you've got a little bit of a controller in between and you've got to do the grip trigger as well as the, you've got to do the grip button as well as the trigger sometimes to get that. But what I have this, if Apple is able to do that right with eye tracking, right? And make that work every single time, how antiquated will meta seem? And then how, where do controllers as input sit relative to that kind of interaction paradigm? So this gets deep into speculation, but what I suspect Apple is going to do is have you point with your hands in a similar way to you do, that you do on MetaQuest when you're using the hand tracking pinching, but the target will actually be controlled more by your eye tracking than by where your finger is truly pointing to adjust for the jitter and adjust for the imprecision there. I suspect that it will be something where you think you're pointing with your fingers, but you're po- really pointing with your eyes. And I think that's where eye tracking works, where it's done subtly to enhance what you're already doing. A big example you already get, you always give is for throwing in VR games. If you are throwing an object and the system does an aim assist to help it go where you were looking, that's a great example of eye tracking. But where it gets explicit, where you are actually asked to use your eyeballs to rotate around a rather large menu that is close to you, so you're looking up at, an, at something to then click a button on your hand. I don't. I think there's a disconnect there that doesn't really work for me, and that's my been my experience in every eye tracking selection. I also think the suggestion that some people have made that this could be used for a keyboard is pretty absurd. If you're sitting in front of a keyboard right now. Look down at it and rotate your eyeballs at each key and tap your finger in your hand and tell me if that's really how you would want to type or if you could actually type at any kind of reasonable speed like that. I simply don't see how that's viable personally. I think we're getting close to the end of this show, but we might fire up a whole nother discussion on unexpectedly here. But I guess I'm curious, do you have any other things to talk about with everyone about your experience with PlayStation VR 2? I'm I'm. I keep refreshing the UPS website waiting for the shipping notification because I got into it a little bit with Henry. I am very nostalgic about these devices we invite into our homes and mark like entire vast periods of our lives, right? There was a PSVR 1 generation of my life. There was a PS1, PS2, PS3, PS4. There's good five to seven years periods where that was the device everyone gathered around. And I... After spending so many years not not letting PSVR become that because of its limitations, right? It always seemed, okay, the Vive is over here and that's got some room scale experiences. Let's show that. Or uh, let's go to wireless over with the Quest. Let's show that. PSVR was left by the wayside on some of those experiences and some of those moments. And I'm really excited over this next kind of six months to a year of Sony throwing so much push behind this idea. I don't know what next year holds, but for this year, it's going to be a lot of really exciting times for PSVR 2. Yeah, a few things I'd say, I guess. The one is I'd really like to reiterate what I said about just how streamlined this is, just how seamless this is. This is the opposite of PC VR. The ability to just plug this in a few seconds, be in a game with no hassle and no configuration and no nonsense is really such a dramatic change, not only from PC VR, but from the original PlayStation VR, as you've noted. 
all the, the breakout boxes and cables. The other thing is I'm really looking forward to when we see a major game that uses the concept of local multiplayer, where some people are using game pads to play on the TV while the other person is in VR. I think that is a very underexplored idea because it was so inviable on other platforms. On Quest, there are a few games that use that, but obviously you have to download the iPad or iPhone app and then connect it. And on PC, there's obviously a whole issue there where it's, PCs are just used, typically not set up in a couch situation. This is the ideal platform for that. I think I'm really interested to see what developers can do there. Akron Attack of the Squirrel comes to mind where they the Resolution Games built the whole infrastructure for this game where you can log in as a squirrel on a mobile phone or even an, a tablet and then go try to take acorns from in front of a tree and the tree is in VR. That feels like it would have been the next generation of that old cat and mouse game that was on the original PSVR. And I don't know why we don't have five or ten more of those types of experiences. It seemed like such a cool idea that well, it only got done a couple of times in the first few years of psvr and then yeah i think again it is just that kind of hassle and obviously there's the performance of ps4 was maybe not quite up to doing both at the same time on quest like i said i really do think it is that friction aspect if you have to download an app you've already lost like 80 percent of your potential users if meta wants to make this happen they need to make a way that developers can integrate it into the meta quest app how that actually would work out the technical aspects of that are extraordinarily complicated but there's none of that on the PlayStation 5. It's, you can just do that as a built-in feature. The PS5 is powerful enough that you can run graphically simplistic but still high-fidelity games on VR and on the TV at once. I am very sure that sometime in this console's lifetime, we're going to see a hit game that uses that mechanic. I That's my prediction for this. Interesting. Yeah, I'm seeing Onikaze saying UPS has still not picked mine up yet, but they say it will be here tomorrow. I'm in that same boat. I've got the shipping label is printed sometime last week. And as far as I can tell from that, it just it's been a shipping label sitting in a box. And I've been begging for it to arrive three days early just so I could enjoy one game or two games pre launch. Yeah, what do you want to talk about here, Heaney? The last thing I want to say, we haven't really talked about them much, but the controllers are fantastic. They are excellent. Their their tracking is flawless at least in my time which i can't say about the headset the controller tracking has been flawless they feel great the haptics is great they look great the the thumbsticks feel great the trigger feels great including that adaptive trigger which is on no other vr platform no other vr platform has that adaptive trigger i think these are in many ways just like we said about the quest pro these are the star of the show this is in many ways the new standard for what a gaming vr controller is i think you maybe pick Quest Pro's controllers for certain productivity and creativity applications, but I think if you're looking for a gaming controller, this is the new one to beat. Yeah, I can't wait to really assess how their feel stands up to the Touch Pro. And I noticed over on The Verge, they went and plugged the PSVR 2 headset into a PC to prove that... To prove what, Davidini? Don't do this. Don't do this. Don't start this to beat. <laughs> For anyone who's not aware, this is our most common debate as to whether PlayStation VR 2 will ever get official or even unofficial support for PC. The Verge found that it shows up as an unencrypted monitor, which is quite promising. I also noticed that if you plug one of these into a PC, it shows up as a speaker, the speaker being the haptic motor. 
fascinating in uh-huh. itself. But yeah, there is no official support from Sony for PC. There is no indication of it. If someone wanted to do it unofficially, they would have to implement the entire tracking system, most likely, which would be at best months, realistically years, potentially something like three to five years of hard work. And I think, as I've always said, this as a product, it's a value add to the PlayStation 5. For Sony, this is something where they are giving you an extra reason to pick a PlayStation 5 or an Xbox Series X. They're giving you a reason to stay in the PlayStation ecosystem. Maybe we'll see some PlayStation VR 2 games go to Steam, but I don't think we're going to see the headset itself support it. I would love to be wrong. I would love to be able to plug this thing in, and that would massively change the value proposition for enthusiasts who do have a gaming PC, but it just doesn't seem like it's Sony's focus. I'll make a super cut of all the times you said that, my ringtone on my phone, if if it goes the other way. Leave any last-minute questions there in our comments as we move towards the end of this show. Some Lots of stuff coming to Upload VR. Absolutely fantastic to have Henry. We threw him into deep end of the pool and asked him to review gigantic platform here with PlayStation VR 2. Very awesome to have him part of our crew putting together this analysis for everyone. And yes, David Heaney's secret project should be revealed fairly soon. Don't get don't get too excited out there. We're excited more than you should be as as our audience. Um, yeah. <laughs> we don't overhype that at all. <laughs> yeah, but uh, no, I'm we've got a lot of things that are are we expect it to be a huge year for VR, right? We were expecting things like PSVR 2 to hit last year, and even Apple was supposed to arrive last year, according to some folks at some in some timelines. And it's looking like we're finally moving on to another generation more like in full this year. And that's a big moment. It's a lot of changing of the guard, right? Over at Alchemy, they just changed leadership over there. Lots to think about with Google and what they're going to be doing in the coming months. Apple preparing to do its thing. And there was more context there that I wanted to get across. I forgot, but you go ahead, Heaney, and I'll wrap up the show with my final bit. Go ahead with what? I was waiting oh. for your context. Yeah, no, I remember what it was. Meta, Meta verified. At some point, we're going to have to get into what meta verified represents right so zuckerberg on a random sunday just tweets out oh yeah we're doing verified blue check marks on meta and oh by the way the price over a two-year two-year span is roughly the cost in that range of a quest two i think they're answering a lot of questions with that Dini, but we're gonna have to get I into it on a, a different show but yeah we can talk about yeah. it next time all right you don't think well you don't think we'll have a monthly payment program for meta soon for Quest, I think maybe we'll see it when they ship AR glasses. I think it's actually probably very likely with AR glasses, but I don't think they're going to go there for the headsets. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe. It's a total on-ramp to her. All right, we'll talk about it another week. All right, thanks. Any <laughs> last comments there that we should respond to? Uh, no, just I'm looking through comments for questions here. I just Again, it's great to be back here, everyone. I'm going to be back here next week again as well. And yeah, it's an incredibly exciting time for VR. Some really great games and hardware coming out here if if anyone who's getting playstation vr2 i again i want to be clear that i was you know focusing on analyzing this in a technical nitpicky way i think you're going to have an amazing experience with these games and with this hardware if you actually are getting this some people are saying they're discouraged by this don't be it's still a overall excellent system but like every vr system today there are some flaws 
Yeah, there's someone out there is keeping a check mark of how many times I've said David for how many times I said Heaney, and I think Heaney won this week. Yeah, thank you for everyone who's supporting us out there by becoming members. Please do consider becoming a member. Please share the link to this analysis. Get more people into these discussions. I appreciated all the comments back and forth. We're trying to help everyone sort out their decision making, make smart choices on how they spend their time and money. And these are not easy discussions to have about. We could really dumb this down into a a lot of ways. And what we want to do is help people make smarter choices about how they're going to spend their time in these upcoming headsets. So we appreciate all of our commenters who, who take part in that journey. The very last question I'm going to answer here is Brian, I think, asking if PSVR 1, they say they have PSVR 1 and they're not sure if this is a necessary upgrade. This is a night and day. It's a generational leap. If you have PlayStation VR 1 and you like it and you like some of the games and you know that they're also available on PSVR 2, no brainer. Absolutely get it. Thank you so much. We'll see you in the future. Thanks, everyone.